0: a special holiday episode of the Graveyard Tapes. I'm your narrator. As every good Christmas story has a narrator, this episode's format will be a bit different. But don't worry, this is a special occasion. Hoo, hoo, hoo. We begin in Valentine's apartment, a single level bare bones studio style condo. The layout centers around a fold-out futon and wooden door coffee table propped up on plastic crates. Old noir lifestyle magazines and empty pizza boxes spill over the edges onto the floor. He's so messy. Hoo-hoo-hoo! Dirty dishes fill a seldom-used sink, with several half-opened turn-off notices sticking out of the otherwise empty utensil drawer. Old track lighting runs on two strips in the ceiling. Most of the bulbs are burned out, so you can't see the yellow-stained, formerly-white walls. Threadripper seems concerned that Finn is still asleep on the futon. Boss. Boss!
1: Get your hungover lazy butt out of bed! Don't say I didn't warn you. Time to wake up, boss!
2: Ouch. Ew, bloody, bloody fire! I hit the floor thinking the world was ending and Odin was tossing me into a smoky volcano. Ragnarok was here and the ringing in my ears wasn't going away.
1: The fire's under your butt, Valentine. It's lunchtime and I'm hungry. There's no food. This place is a five-star disaster area. Christmas is here and there's no decorations up and your tattoos look like faded lick and stick Crackerjack rip-off.
2: I grabbed hold of the futon. Pull myself up and unsteadily fumble my way to the bathroom. For Odin's sake, thread my head's pounding and I can't see a bloody thing. What's with all the banging anyway? What? I
1: warned you. When? A few seconds ago. When you were sleeping.
2: Uh, so what? It's lunchtime. My appointment's not till. Too... A oh, bollocks!
1: That's right, you big lug. Here. Take these and wash your face. I'll try to get some dishes done if you promise to bring me back food.
2: The realization of being late hit me like a ton of CHG finds. It leaves a sinking, empty feeling in your stomach. The dish rag is a little food crusted, but it does the job well enough. Anything is better than crusty eyes. I swallow the pills dry, almost straighten my shirt,
0: grab my coat,
2: and promise on the way out the door. Thanks, Fred. I promise I'll bring you a box of those little bite-sized pizza
1: bagels you like so much. Make it two boxes. Pepperoni and five cheese pizza.
2: Fred's voice fades away in my mad dash out the door. Lucky for me, I slept in my shoes. If I hurry to Anne's, I might make it before she decides to charge triple. Or worse. Verbally parade me for having something called potential, but being a lazy, late slob of a mortal. <sighs> Demigods. I'll tell you, they have some nerve, but I need Anne. Even like her enough to not want to piss her off by accident. She recharges my magical tattoos, and that's the um, service I need. With the last bit of juice in my tattoos, I invoke a spell to increase my speed. This is going to cost me, though. It's a simple little spell, but my magical energy is so empty. I pull up my sleeve just enough to see the outlines are faded almost to nothing. The last bit really puts a hurt in my wallet. But Anne's just around the corner. I should be able to sweet talk her into giving me a discount.
0: <laughs> ho ho ho! Finn looks like he's in a spot of trouble. Someone's always on the naughty list. Let's continue following along. A few quick slaps in the face wake Valentine up. His headache is even worse. A golf-ball-sized knot forms on the back of his head. Hoo-hoo! I bet that hurts. The blindfold covers his eyes and most of his nose. He tries to wiggle free, but is securely tied with something sticky and strong that crinkles. Uh, I mean crinkles. Hoo-hoo! A slender man dressed in a fine gray pinstripe suit sits facing his captured prey. His greasy black hair slicked back and beady little eyes with more cringles. Uh, Oh, dear. I did it again. Ho, ho, ho. Beady black eyes with more wrinkles than an old folk's home taking the delight of catching a rather famous investigator. A familiar voice snootily introduces Valentine to his unfortunate predicament. His airy, Nasally voice always gets under Valentine's skin. Well, well, well.
3: (laughs) Look what we have here, boys. A famous investigator... ...that just got himself kidnapped. (laughs) The boss has a burning desire to see you, Valentine. I'll give you three guesses where you're
2: headed. (laughs) Care to take a guess? Hmm? My head is pounding, but I know that voice. Both of them? It's so weird. Anyway, I think I know where we're at. These potholes seem familiar. That's one of the benefits of living and working in the city. You learn all the potholes. Mm. So, mm, Jester, long time no see. <laughs> Ow! See why I did that? I can tell bad jokes too, and I know from experience where I am. It's this Grand Road, the potholes are very distinct. You should buckle up, you slummy bastard. I had an appointment, and she's going to be madder than a wet hornet's nest when she finds out you nabbed her best customer. I tense slightly, pulling my head into my shoulders. It feels like forever waiting for that one big hole that's supposed to be coming up any minute now.
4: <clears throat>
2: any minute now. Any minute now. Lost
3: the matter, Valentine. Are you waiting for the sinkhole? They finally built it in last week. <laughs> Where's my favorite sinkhole? Realize your
2: spine when you hit it at high speed. You're an absolute
3: idiot. If you think I haven't paid attention to trivial things like that. Valentine, you're an idiot.
2: Suddenly, the van rocks hard to one side, cutting Jester off in mid-sentence. Tyres skid as the back of the van swings around and out of control. It felt like we were broadsided by something huge. I get thrown around with the other occupants, yelling and cursing as we get crushed against each other. Shards of broken glass flying. The skidding stops so suddenly, the van almost rolls over, but instead slams back down on the tires, violently tossing us about. I hear the sound of metal tearing. So it's a horrifying screech, like nails on a chalkboard, it sends shivers up my spine. Deep guttural howls, g- growls, and solid thumbs of by shouts, going silent, keep my nerves raw. Something grabs my jacket collar, yanking me from the van wreckage, and lifts my blindfold.
1: Good afternoon, Valentine. You look like something I saw in a dumpster once. Hello, Cyrus. You know what? I think that was you I saw on that dumpster. No, I wouldn't put it past me.
2: Saris, part of Flax's crew. Her shifter who runs everything south of 25th Avenue. She's a cuddly delight who will rip your arm off as soon as you look at you. Saris landed in North America sometime in the... 1800s? Never lost the accent. Pure cussedness.
1: "'I used to think more highly of you, Valentine. "'Letting yourself get taken like that "'makes me question why I bothered to save you. "'I think you owe us now, a favour for a favour. "'I had to run quite a ways "'and call in my pack to cut that van off. "'Jester will report back to his boss. "'That could cause trouble for my pack.'
2: "'Of course she was right. "'Getting taken like that was sloppy. "'I'm a slob, but I'm not that sloppy on the case.' I owed Saris, so I owed Flack, and she knew it. That's the old code. That's our agreement. I wasn't going to live this down if I didn't think fast. You're right, Saris. I owe you. Thanks for the rescue I didn't need, but I have something I think will make us even. Something you want.
1: Aww, and what is that?
2: How about you give me a ride back to Anne's, and I'll explain along the way. First, I need to retrieve something. I almost straightened my wrinkled clothes while walking over to an unconscious jester. I found a nice water of greenbacks in his pockets, a few credit cards, and something written on a pink sticky note. I took the sticky note away and I counted out a thousand big ones. It's not even a quarter of the roll I hand over to Flack. His eyes go wide in disbelief and narrow quickly. Am I really that predictable?
1: Are you trying to buy me, Valentine? That's against the rules. But that bike needs repairs, so I'll take this as a down payment. Jerry here will take you back to Anne's. I need to get ready for tonight's festivities. We shifters are bringing the good stuff. The hard booze. (laughs) Ho,
0: ho. That was a close one, wasn't it? Good thing Sarahs happened to be close by. A few minutes in the sidecar of Jerry's Harley reminds Valentine of all the little bruises, aches, and pains of his most recent kidnapping. Serves him right for taking that thug's Christmas money. His daughter wanted something, but when the big boss calls, you stop what you're doing and follow orders. Now, back to the story. True to Saris's word... Jerry gets Valentine to the Neon Crossing safely.
2: There's that voice again. Did he just judge me? Better watch it, disembodied voice. I know a trick or two. Nothing to say? Good. Now let's get back to my mental monologue. End shop. The Neon Crossing is a humble-looking shop. Humble in the way it's found by those that need to find it. The shop moves around the city, but if you're looking, the best place to start is the parking lot at the northwest corner of Hamilton and Victoria. Sometimes it's an empty lot. Sometimes it's a Neon Crossing.
0: Even for the few who can
2: see, it, there's no display windows. No signs on the sidewalk inviting passers-by in. It's simply an entrance. and moves between places. Spaces. Whatever. I don't understand it. I just know it's there. Inside looks like what I call an old general store setup. Everything is earth-toned and made of natural materials. Mostly wood, but there's stones and crystals and other more exotic things I've never seen. Each section has its own vibe. There's a book section with sitting shelves, a place for jewellery and talismans, whole foods and other treats. There's even the classic carnival fortune teller setup, complete with a crystal ball. That's... A load of malarkey, by the way. No one can tell the future. That opens up a whole can of Paradox that even Pandora said no to. But my favourite section is the tattoo parlour. It also doubles as an old time shop. That chair of black leather is especially comfortable and is pretended to dust some shelves of magical ingredients. If I didn't know better, I'd say that Mason Jar eyeballs winked at me. Some ingredients are unsettling. Different animal parts that aren't used as food, or even fit for Scrapple, can have a strong magical properties. Trust me when I tell you that the eyeballs are the mildest ingredient on those shelves.
5: Valentine! You're late. Very late. It's called an appointment for a reason. You look like Hal's bus ran over you. What happened?
2: That is a hard case to crack. She can scold me one second. Then flip a switch and be concerned. Okay. I'd rather have the concern than the lecture. I'm certain I'll get one in a minute. After she's done fussing over my scrapes and scratches.
5: So, how'd you escape?
0: Valentine tells his story with a few embellishments to make himself not look so careless while Anne tends his wounds. She pays close attention to how faded his tattoos are, frowning the whole time like the Grinch.
5: That's quite the tale. Now go sit in the chair. Your tattoos need some major work. I told you, after the calling of the corners, to come see me for a recharge.
0: Valentine settles into his favorite chair. Its cool, reassuring leather gives him a much-needed emotional boost. Exhausted from the day's events, he passes out shortly after settling down. While Anne fixes Valentine's tattoos and heals many of his injuries, a hushed conversation between an enchanted armoire and trunk takes place nearby. Anne pretends not to hear.
6: Well,
3: look at him, will you? Late as all else and bloody to boot. Oh, I don't know what she sees in him. I don't know
6: either. I've never seen a magician in such a wreck. He's really brassed off someone this time, hasn't he?
3: Mm-hmm. He sure has. You know if he didn't show, she'd be really angry. I know. I just don't get the two-leggers always
6: moping over each other. It's not like they don't get better on their own.
3: Mm-hmm. They don't have to be dusted, polished, re or have screws tightened. What?
6: They have screws in their head? Maybe they should have their screws tightened. Why do you think one is always telling the other they have a screw loose? <laughs>
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> and what why do I feel so light? Like I'm floating. I can't open my eyes. Anne? Anne?
5: Oh, shush, Finn. Everything's fine. It's hard to work on your tattoos with all your squirming and twitching so you're levitating to make this easier you let your guard down and got kidnapped i know you had your heart in a good place with that coin but i can't help but feel like we cheated now there's a target on your back someone probably knows or at least suspects
2: let's be honest then there's always a target on my back it comes with the job but for hell's sake can you let me open my eyes
5: I'm almost done. I've taken the liberty of healing your wounds and removing the glass pieces. I can't have my escort showing up like I'm the one who clobbered him. I have a sweet, gentle reputation to maintain, after all. And if you go getting yourself hurt or killed because of that coin, I will never forgive you.
0: Valentine opens his eyes to find himself floating upside down and shutless, and reaches out to give him a feathery push, spinning him in place like a Christmas pinata.
5: There, all done. You can open your eyes now.
2: This reminds me of that one movie when this masked crusader got a kiss from his secret idea
0: crush.
5: Um, no.
0: The levitation spell abruptly ends with Valentine bouncing off the leather chair, flipping head over heels, and kissing the solid wood floor. It sounds like a thick slab of meat hitting every pot and pan in the kitchen on the way down. Two pieces of enchanted furniture find themselves unable to look away.
6: Ugh, can't believe he mentioned that movie.
3: yeah, it wasn't even close to a thank you.
6: How oh, would you rate his fall and tumble from grace? <laughs>
3: oh, good one. I'd give it a seven. Could have used more arm flailing and kicking. Maybe some shriek of surprise. A seven.
6: That's generous. I'd give it a five. Oh, do tell. No screaming before or during the fall. Brought up a ridiculous movie for the sake of a kiss. He's
2: desperate. Oh.
5: (laughs) 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 Oh, that smarts something i said i swear fingal connor Kieran, valentine you are insufferable sometimes deep breaths in deep breaths
0: valentine collects himself and puts on his shirt the many tattoos that cover his chest shoulders back and arms all look brand new the lines are clean the colors are vibrant and while he feels magically powerful again...
2: Damn it, Valentine, why'd you have to be such a dummy? You knew that wasn't going to end well. You're a damn choir goblin fast Get yourself together, man. So, um, Anne... <sighs> Thanks for the recharge and healing. I owe you. Anything you want that I can do, I will. Just name it. Anne's been a real sassy pass ever since the first time we met. I've been a wrecking ball for her troubles. I had thought, maybe, I could make it up to her after that incident with the coin. The, uh, Janus coin. The very powerful, very sought-after problem-solver supernatural weakness that every magical thing wants.
6: It was almost
2: stolen by a crazy powerful mystery man during the calling of the corners. The Collector.
6: Not my best
2: work that night. He mopped the floor with me, but it was all part of my plan, see? I mean, sort of. I managed to stall long enough for Madeline to intervene. The coin was thought hidden. It was. By me. And I gave it to Anne. Maybe that's why she's acting differently. Oh, Bandersnatch Valentine, you fool! She turned to me then. Cleaned up from her using large amounts of magical powder, charged up my tattoos and removing glass shrapnel. Her own tattoos were crisp, sharp, and constantly shifting. It was subtle, but I noticed. The steel in her eyes says it all. Don't muck this up, Finn.
5: There is something you can do. You can dance with me at the ball and watch the ballet.
2: My jaw hit the floor like an anvil from a second-story window. I, 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 I can, um, I, I can dance and watch... ballet? What do I look like, Benedict Bloody Comberbatch?
5: <laughs> you wish.
2: Back at the old homestead, I walked in to find the place a different kind of disaster. Crudely cut snowflakes, red and green loops of construction paper, and the smallest, barely alive Christmas tree in a pot I've ever seen. On the bright side, there was a musky smell that's gone and dishes are done. Two little pixies are going to -to head-to-head on some obnoxiously loud video game.
1: Boss, you're finally back. (gasps) What's in the brown bag?
2: Well, I promised you, Thread. Two boxes, like you asked. Oh, yeah,
1: thanks, boss. Hey, what took you so long? Yeah, you old
3: coot. What took you so long?
2: Just a stroll down memory lane. And made me an offer I couldn't refuse. Both tech pixies looked at me blankly. Like they can't believe Anne would actually ask me for something. What's that look for?
3: Oh, uh, no reason. Just that <laughs> there's no way Anne would need you to do anything for her other than pay your tab. But I still need to get ready for the ball tonight, and Thread Ripper's my plus one. If you try and say no, I'll short out every phone or appliance you buy from now till doomsday.
1: See you there, Threadripper! See you, Zero! Uh... Boss? Yeah? Is that okay? I mean... I know we usually go or stay home, depending on the year, but...
2: <laughs> it's fine, Fred. After that last job, I don't want to go at all. But Anne's got something bugging her, I can feel it. She wouldn't say what, but I think I
1: know what it's about. You gonna be okay, Boss?
2: You know me, Thren. I'm peachier than a cobbler.
0: The city hall goblins spent no expense decorating for this year's Christmas ball. A special spruce tree over 30 feet tall is sent a stage outside where all the commoners, city elite, and foreign dignitaries can see. Multicolored lights, a gold ribbon, and various holiday ornaments encircle the cascading layers of branches covered with a dusting of fake snow. Visitors from other continents arrive in those black, unmarked cars except for two tiny flags over the headlights. People of various types emerge from those cars dressed in their fancy finery and shiny best costumes. Their masks are the most striking displays of position, opulence, and wealth. Every guest ascends the steps waiting to be announced as they are introduced to the Goblin Queen, Madeline. We wait at
2: the bottom of the steps in an out-of-the-way cozy corner. All the usual suspects are here except one. As I watch the Russian dignitary and his escort, a flash of fame catches my attention. Our Russian guest is a vampire. Before I have time to ponder those implications, my tattoos give me a warm tingle. Anne must be nearby. Scanning the crowd, I spot her in a pure snow white gown, with a low cut back and hugging those curves. Her mask is a matching white with colourful designs seamlessly blending into her own tattoos. For the second time today, my chin hits the floor. She calmly walks over, closes my mouth.
5: Get your head on straight and try to act civilized. This is a higher-than-normal class event. I know your etiquette is either non-existent or rustier than an old shipyard. But for my sake, at least act like you know how to behave.
2: Um, um, sorry, and uh, you... you, You really went all out and got dolled up. You're trying to impress someone tonight. Because if you are, I was definitely the wrong choice for this.
5: No, Finn. I'm working to maintain a cover after what you did. I brought you a mask. It has a few... extra touches.
2: She holds out the mask for me to inspect. It's a black mask. mirrors hers. But instead of the bright, vibrant colors she has, mine are deep, rich colors of purple, blue, and black in different shades. I hold it up, noticing the shape is like a yin-yang. So I have to ask the obvious question. What will happen if I put the two masks together?
5: It's a last resort if something happens. I know they still have the Collector prisoner, and he hasn't divulged anything yet. There's something about his magic that's keeping him from breaking.
2: How did you suss that out? Normally I'm the one snooping about for information.
5: Give me some credit, Finn. I am a goddess, after all. I have my ways... You're not the only one that can ferret out information.
2: I'm certain I raised an eyebrow at the mention of a ferret. Icy look she shot me, said I should drop that thought, but you know (laughs) me. I need to figure out if that was a slip of the tongue or just a figure of speech.
5: Put your mask on, Finn. You'll have a matching costume. So with my suit? Nothing at all. If it's 1992 and you're homeless, it smells a bit like... Mothballs.
2: I'll sniff my collar and I'll have to agree. So this mask will change my clothes. Why not? I sent for a big red suit, golden buckles and a big sack of cash. I release gift cards, and the beard. Birds did the beard. Alright.
5: Just put it on. We need to get in there and be seen.
2: <laughs> alright, alright, let's get this party going.
5: Valentine's bravado is often mistaken for incompetence from others. I know he means well, but his brash actions and quips bring out the worst in people. I get it. He's hurting inside. The eldritch magic eats away at him. It's a miracle he's survived this long. Anyone else would say it's the sarcasm in cigarettes, but I know better. I remember that day when Destiny sat up and smacked him around. His powers of observation seem very, um selective. Like an old man's hearing is bad when his wife is nagging him, but when the game is on he can hear a mouse fart in the loud crowd and yells at the TV. Finn offers his arm, ever the gentleman. I take it and we begin our ascent up the steps of the ledge building. It's a sight to behold. Large marble columns, white granite steps, and a huge set of decorative double doors. Goblins love their opulence. I'm just happy I have a small shop. A place to call home. That ley line really helped business, though. It's nice to have a power source other than me. We enter through the double doors. So many of the city's power players are here. I nod, shake a few hands, offer some fake politeness to get those snakes in the grass. Have to play nice to keep the peace sometimes. In the main room, buffet tables line two walls. Food, both savory and bizarre, is overflowing. Saris and Riza are off in a corner with some of their pack and a stack of barrels piled neatly offering the good stuff to passersby. I can smell it from here like a blackberry mead. My mouth waters slightly. Let's head over there, Finn. I'll feel better if Saris and Riza know we're here. That bastard Cassius has been harassing my shop lately asking if I would do him the honour of being his one.
2: He what? Well, that explains a lot. So that why you charge my tattoos?
5: That's part of it. You might have a chance if he tries to escape. If he does, I have no doubt things will get messy. We'll have to stop him. Now, can you be a gentleman and get me a glass of that shifter mead? It smells delightful.
1: Sure thing. Valentine! Siris,
2: so That's quite the stack of barrels. What's the drink What's the drink of choice tonight, and where's your dear leader Fleck?
1: Oh, Fleck sends his regrets. There's some urgent shifter business in the East End that needs his uh, personal touch. In the meantime, have a glass of blackberry mead from Bushwacker Brew Pub. A sweet drink for a sweet night of festive metal, and some less amazing ballet.
2: Well, hey, I know I'm not a fan either. Russian dignitary probably has something to do with it.
1: <laughs> you might be right. Riza. didn't they have some production after our little gem session?
5: Sure did. Something about a nutcracker? Not really my style, but I plan to be too tipsy to care. <laughs>
1: That's right. Drink up, Valentine. We'll make this pompous evening more bearable.
2: I'll take a mug and, uh, I need a glass for Anne. What?
1: Anne's here? Why didn't she come over to say hello? I don't
2: know, something about me being a gentleman.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you? A gentleman?
5: Get out! We've worked together on too many jobs. I'll believe that when I see it.
2: I have feelings, you know.
5: Hey, you two. Are you keeping my
1: escort busy? Oh, sorry, Anne. You look radiant, and that mask is really something. A glass for the inked goddess, and a mug for her escort. <laughs> uh. Greetings, everyone.
6: This is a night filled with many surprises. And Sarasa so take a mug of that mead. I have the pleasure to introduce a renowned dignitary from across the ocean, Alexei Burishk. He is responsible for the uh, finer entertainment tonight.
5: I'm glad for the discretion of this group. Cassius has been hounding me for a few weeks. I can tell from the eye rolls that the finer entertainment is not what this group considers fun. Alexei is taller than average with a slim build. His finely tailored suit of pink, purple accents, and a red handkerchief really stand out. He's almost dashing and very stylish, but there's an aura of conceit that I just can't shake. Vampires. A stuffy, entitled lot, but with money and influence, it makes them impossible to ignore.
4: It is a pleasure to make your acquaintance. Especially you, Inked Goddess. Tim has told me so much of many of you. If even half of it is true, then I have no doubt you will be the highlight of this ball. And you must be Diza. From one primal animal to another, you smell fascinating.
5: Watch it, mister. That's unwanted
6: sniffing. If you keep that up, you won't have a nose left to sniff with. It'll smell nothing but a sewer as I shove it straight up, your. Yep. Well now, I told you, Alexi, she is feisty.
1: I think Riza would be perfect to add to your troop. Here's your drinks. Now get out of my lane. It's packed up with all your
4: peacocking. Keep this swill. It's not refined enough for my taste. I prefer a well-aged red. Something of class and stature. Not the common popper's swill fermented sweetener. Real men don't need sweetener. A drink needs bite. Farewell, commoners. But you, goddess are more than these rebel. Feel free to join us when you tire of these beasts and mannerless folk. Enjoy the show. We should take our leave, Tim. I have a showstopper to prepare for.
6: Absolutely, Alexei. I look forward to seeing the confusion on their faces when confronted with uh, actual culture.
5: We watched them leave without taking their drinks. I have to admit this group has a little class, but I've lived many lives helping those less fortunate. I like this group. We have more in common than they will ever know. Thank you, guys. He's been harassing me for weeks. I see he found a date, though. They're both creeps. I'd love to rip their smug faces apart. I wouldn't miss them any. But we should get out there and mingle. This meat is delicious, by the way. I've had my share of drinks, and this is so smooth, it'll catch you off guard. Saris beams with pride as we depart to mingle with some of my contacts and patients. Finn says something I know will lead to no
2: good. There's that weasel. You'll excuse me a second, Ed. I need to take care of something.
5: He's gone before I can respond. I'll follow his intent gaze and spy Jester duck around a corner. Well, I guess I'll let him slide on this. Jester has it coming.
7: All right, everyone, may I have your attention. Thank you all for coming out to this year's special Christmas ball. I have received and catalogued all your wonderful gifts. We have two treats for you tonight. Everyone's favorite shifter band. They'll play some dance music and a short metal Christmas cover, but the highlight of tonight will be a live performance from our vampire neighbors. They will be gracing us with a shortened live dance performance of Hoffman's Nutcracker Ballet. I'm excited for this evening, and I know everyone will behave themselves. So now I open up the dance floor, enjoy and be merry. I
6: see your escort has left you unattended, goddess. If I may be so bold, my offer still stands. All it costs you is a dance. And some time in the vampire court at my side, I would be willing to accept just the dance for now as a sign of good faith. Ley lines don't just move themselves, you know. It takes time, money, an enormous amount of paperwork.
5: I told you before, Cassius him my answer is no and my escort is attending to some personal business there was an incident earlier today that caused me some grief i don't like it when my appointments don't show up you know how valuable time is if i were you i'd be seeing to your subordinate i'm afraid he's in a bit of a situation
6: i have no idea what you're referring to but i can see you're as resilient as ever good night goddess
5: I watch him leave, feeling a bit better about tonight. I think I struck a nerve about his attempt at kidnapping Finn. He must have been the one to give the order. They were probably trying to use him as leverage against me. Not tonight, Cassius. Not tonight. Now where is he? With a whisper of power, I activate my mask. I can see what his mask sees. He's staring at my back. I wonder how much of that conversation he caught. If Cassius saw him, that would explain the hastened departure.
2: Hey, Anne, that rat vampire Cassius was behind it. He's got something else planned too, but Jester doesn't know.
5: I guessed as much, Finn. The music is about to start. The Shifter band is going to play a few songs. I just want to enjoy the rest of this night. Dance with me. I'm not taking no for an answer, unless you want to pay triple for being late.
2: No, no, I'm good. We can dance. Oh, you can dance, i got two left feet.
5: Just follow my lead, Finn. It's a slow dance. Christmas jazz before the Christmas metal cover. Madeline was very nonspecific as to what the cover actually is. It was like dancing with an awkward teenager. There was a sincerity in his eyes behind the abyss of pain constantly gnawing away. I promised long ago that I would help him. I'm afraid there's only one way. Nis has to be banished, and Katarina set free. I lay my head on his shoulder, letting the music soothe my own worries away. I will find a way. I
0: will. Flax Shifter Band plays a few jazzy and slow Christmas songs to let everyone mingle. Then they open up to a full metal composition of Last Christmas. (laughs) Ho, ho, ho! Very entertaining if I do say so. After a rousing musical... The mood quiets down for another song or two of more traditional and classic music. Alexei Borscht flourishes in his brightly colored tights. The ballet rendition of Hoffman's Nutcracker begins. Dancers twirl, swirl, leap and pirouette, gliding across the stage in a grand display of fluid grace. Bodies twist and meld into different poses, followed by dramatic scenes overemphasized with extraordinary poise. Dancers are tossed about as the battle scene commences. That battle between the Mouse King and the Nutcracker, fighting on behalf of a young girl. It's short, dramatic, and over. The Mouse King wins! No. I know that's not how it's supposed to end, but don't look at me. I'm not the one who put this performance together. This was performed by vampires, after all. What did you expect? As the crowd begins its applause, the chandeliers starts shaking. Everyone looks around, trying to find the source of the sudden disturbance! Ho ho ho! Ashen Hells, what's
2: that? You feel it too. I like getting punched in the head. I know that magic can. She's here. The nausea almost made my knees buckle. There's only one being I know that has that much raw power besides a god. Navashri. That demonic parasite that took Katarina away from me. It feels like her, but something's different. I'm doing my best not to vomit on my suit. Splinters from a side door explode out into the crowd. My ears start ringing from the noise. I grab Anne and make a break for Flack and Reza by the barrels. Getting through a terrified mob is challenging, but we make it with minor bumps and bruises. Anne is saying something, but my ears are ringing, and I can't shake this nausea. She reaches out to touch my mask and there's a surge of power. The nausea is mostly gone, but the ringing's still there. She spins me around to see him. The Collector, making his way towards us like Moses parting the Red Sea. That raw power. That ancient magic is peeling off him in waves, driving everyone back. His lips are moving, but I just hear ringing. He raises a fire covered hand.
7: The flames get brighter,
2: hotter, and leap at me. When I'm grabbing any nearby power. I can barely activate my shield tattoo in time. Flames lick my face around the hasty shield. He's laughing. The ringing subsiding. I find my focus and draw out several tattoos at once. I figured out this mask on gave me a sort of focus and power boost, like an extra battery. You might remember a lady with a crooked grin holding a Zippo in one arm. The other arm has her sister, a lady in fur coat bikini holding an icicle. Since fire did nothing last time, I tried something different. Hey, some say the world will end in fire, others ice. I channel store power from several tattoos into Ice Lady. A blizzard of arctic ice swirls around the Collector as if he was in the eye of a frosty hurricane. Ice forms at his feet, but his fire keeps it from taking hold. I need something different. Something bigger. Glancing down at my arms, I see the ink fading fast. Tattoos aren't made for a contested battle. He breaks free as my juice runs out. Even with the mask, he's too strong. I might have no choice but to go there. Encloses the remaining distance. I fall for the old one too and get knocked squarely on my backside. I see my friends upside down from my grounded position. In one fluid motion, Ant takes off her mask and slides it across the tile floor to me. I guess this is what she meant by last resort. I take off my mask and put the two together. Or well, more accurately, they put themselves together like two magnets. A blinding flash as we see in spots for a moment. I put the masks on and instantly feel overcharged. I roll backwards, up to my feet and hold both arms out wide. Tattoos flare in ice and fire. For a moment, he laughs it off before screaming in agony.
3: Boss! Boss! Use this! It's a reality fabric dust buster. Hurry!
2: They roll a silver-looking hamster ball to me. Using everything I have left, I channel it into the ball. It bleeds light, like looking directly at the sun. The floor rushes to greet me. Reza leaps into action as my vision goes black. She kicks the ball to the Collector, who disappears into a warp of torn reality.
5: I watch as Finn collapses. I make my way to him, pushing past some of those snakes in the grass I've been making nice with all evening. My ink swirls about like blades of smoke, keeping monsters at bay. Saris and Reza are fast on my heels, and I'm thankful for their support. Thread and Zero investigate the tear and work on closing it before the Queen makes her displeasure known.
7: It appears that our vampire guests have disappeared. Shifters, find them. Cassius, I expect you in my office later this morning. Inked Goddess, could you get your escort out of my sight? Trouble always seems to follow him. And Goddess, thank you for your assistance. There will be a care package for you later this week. As for Finn, when he wakes, inform him he is not forgiven for the corner's incident. But he is earning his way back into our good graces.
5: Of course, my queen. Thank you for your generosity. Come on, Finn. Wake up. Wake up.
7: What?
2: What? What happened? Where is he?
5: Gone for now. Come
1: on, get up. Let's go back to my shop. They're gone, Mike queen. Fled into the night. Back home, I'd imagine. You no, know, it seems fishy. The out-of-town dignitaries come, and the biggest threat to our city mysteriously escapes.
7: It is odd. And certain people will provide answers. Or there will be consequences. All right, everyone. Party's over. Go home.
0: Back at the Neon Crossing, Anne and Finn take a load off. They have a hot chocolate and sit in silence, glad the night is finally over. And no one is the wiser that Anne has the Janus coin. The collector has been banished to one of Zero Day's pocket realities. Anne knows she's no match for Nisvari and her disciples head on. But she has something the demon doesn't friends Finn Valentine also found out that he has friends as well from all of us at the graveyard tapes may your holidays be bright and joyous join us again next time for the next installment of the graveyard tapes! <laughs> oh, oh, oh. This is James Nichols, the writer and narrator of what turned out to be a challenging Christmas project. I just wanted to take a moment before Dustin or Aiden do the credits and thank you for listening. A special thank you to Dustin and Aiden for allowing me to join them in this endeavor. We have a great group of voice actors, a strong writing and editing team, and lots more content in the works. This is a very busy and stressful time for many we know. Whatever your stress is, we all thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. We hope you'll continue to listen and let us know on our social media channels how we're doing. Let us take you away from life's struggles for a quick break that we hope you will find entertaining, dramatic, and funny. Whatever you celebrate, have a safe holiday season and let's strive for a happy new year.
6: You have been listening to the Graveyard Tapes Christmas Special, Valentine's Secret Santa, written by James Nichols, edited by Dustin Gray and Aiden Morgan, produced by Aiden Morgan, with voices by Chase Hunter, James Nichols, Fenway Jones, Rick the Whitebird, Miguel Diaz, Caitlin Sinnett, Angela the Short, Nikki Ewart Aiden Morgan and Rue Dickey